Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balls and Brew, another hashtag original squad. Always excited to be able to say those words. Joining me from North Carolina, my guy, my confidant, my co-host, my bald friend from North Carolina, where he still is wearing black because Coach K lost his final game to North Carolina. It's Chris King. What is up, Rod? And I am excited for this episode. We are going to have some great, great stuff. We got Roberts back. We got the Masters. And you and I are going to get into some heated, heated arguments later on. <laughs> That's right. That's what the people, people stick around for the Masters discussion. But wait, wait for a treat at the end where Chris and I yell at each other. You've never heard that before. Chris did do a spoiler there. Hashtag original squad means we're joined by our guy from the desert, our golf guy, Mr. Matt Roberts. Matt, hello. Hello, friends. That's right. It is a tradition unlike any other. We are actually recording this Thursday evening, so round one has already happened. So we're going to tackle the Masters discussion a little differently this year. A lot of years in the past, we'd give you who's going to win, all that stuff. We still may talk about that because we have the weekend, but we're going to focus on a few other things. But if we're talking PGA Tour, there's one other story I want to touch on before we get to all that is good in golf that is Augusta and the Masters and a certain return. Oh, yeah, don't think we're not going to talk about that. But, Mr. Roberts, I heard something interesting the other day that I did not know. The PGA Tour does not announce when its players are suspended. Is it possible that Phil Mickelson is suspended? I think it's 100% possible. I think he is suspended. Um, They've had a track record of this with Dustin Johnson with his – broken ankle I think it was is why he missed a while Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryson's wrist injury wasn't a suspension Um, they were not messing around with the Saudi league and I think they wanted to show some uh, some of their strength but it's not like they did it just for this tournament or this reason they've always done it that way so if anything people want to bag the PGA I'm kind of one ex-PGA member Uh, they're consistent with it I was going to say, now that we're a little further away from that, do you think that this has actually strengthened the PGA Tour? Do you think this has actually helped the players any? I mean, is there any good that's come out of this uh, kerfuffle that Phil Mickelson has created? I think there will be good. I don't know what it's going to look like. I think you strengthen the tour with a lot of these guys coming out saying, hey, this is my number one priority. This is where I'm committed. You keep sponsorship money running in. Everybody wants more money. The players want more money. The PGA Tour want more money. They're going to have to find some kind of way to find a balance that's going to be beneficial to both. And one of Phil's biggest sticking points is owning the rights to their own media. Uh, The PGA Tour owns every great shot you've ever seen on an internet clip, on a TV show. Uh, The players get nothing from it. Ooh, moving forward, that's going to be, that's a big thing. So I can see, again, I'm not trying to defend Phil Mickelson here, and we touched on this a little bit last time you joined us, but I can see his point on all of that. I know that the Masters chairman came out, because even if Phil was suspended from the PGA Tour, which you let us know all the time on this podcast, that doesn't mean anything to Augusta. If they wanted him there, he'd be there. They came out and said that they didn't tell Phil not to come. So clearly it was Phil's choice, or it was Phil's choice because of the PGA Tour, right? So I think that's pretty interesting. No, I disagree. I think that's totally Phil's choice. I think he could have went and played, but I think he has a uh, a very deep respect for that place, and it would have been a huge distraction. And I think he just decided, hey, I got jackets. I can show up whenever. I can play whenever. I'll go to the Champions Dinner next year. Uh, let the Let the tournament shine. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. Mr. King, you have you have put your foot in your mouth many, many times <laughs> over your lifetime. So let me ask you this. What do you think Phil needs to do? Can he do anything to get himself back in the good graces of the PGA Tour and, poss- and quite frankly, many fans out there? I mean, he has a longer road back, I think, with the PGA than than he probably does with fans. Um, yeah, he put his foot in his mouth. I do agree with some of the stuff he's talking about. I think the players should own the rights to their own shots, especially with the way NFTs are starting to make a lot of ground. Uh, these you players... were so old. You sounded so old when you said <laughs> NFTs right there, too. Like, so even people listening to this just in their earbuds could tell how old you were when you said that. I'm just saying that's a good way for these younger players, especially uh, – to make additional money on tour if they own the rights to those shots, those clips. And I think that's a big sticking point. I think, I think PJ needs to change their, their rules on that aspect. Um, but I think the best thing he can do is stay away. If it's a suspension, he will have to, uh, I think he stays away for about a year and then people won't care so much as, as long as he doesn't put his foot in his mouth again. I don't know. It's going to take at least a year. I'm going to push back slightly. I'll agree with your overall premise there that absence will make the heart grow fonder. We move on to different stories and different news cycles in this country so quick and so fast these days. But I don't think it's going to be quite a year. I don't think Phil's going to have to lay out for quite a whole entire year. I think, I mean, because let's remember, he's the defending PGA champion. Is he not, Mr. Roberts? I mean, he's going to have to show up for that tournament, don't you think? You think he's going to show up? I mean, he wants to defend, but... Uh, I think that's a perfect place to come back. Uh, that's roughly a year, eight, nine months, whatever it is, and let him come back and see what he can do, if he can make a run at it, which, you know, you haven't played competitive golf in a year other than if you're Tiger Woods. You're usually a little rusty when you come back. <laughs> Look at that. Yes, let's transition to more happy golf discussion. As we all just kind of touched on, Phil did not want to cloud the Masters beginning, and we all were just had a bomb dropped upon us when one Eldrick Tiger Woods himself came out and said he was playing. And Mr. Roberts, not only did he play, but he looked pretty darn good. He did. Um, I was, this will sound bad. I was a slight disappointment with his driver. Just a little off after hearing Freddie Couples say during their practice round, he was a machine with it. But his iron game looked good. His putter looked phenomenal. It was right on track. So he'll tighten that stuff up. He's he's in a good spot. The last five times he's won a major, he's shot like 70 in the opening round. So he's right at that number. He's in the hunt, top 10. What more could you ask for? Yeah, Mr. King, as much of a Tiger Woods fan as I am, if you would have asked me to make a bet on him making the cut or missing, I don't know that I would have said make. Yeah, I, I was... I was wavering back and forth before this week if he played, whether or not I think he would make the cut. I thought him completing two rounds would still be a victory. Absolutely. And be be good for the PGA. Um, He looked great today. You could definitely tell the one thing he's been able to practice the most with is his putter. It was on point today, like Robert said. Really saved him on a few holes for sure. Um, if he keeps putting like that, he'll be top five by the end of the weekend. Yeah, it's so great to see him in the top ten again. And, Mr. Roberts, you have always pointed out the putting at Augusta, how you know putting is just make or break there. We've always talked about why Bryson has such a tough time at Augusta because he's just not a great putter. And I heard something else interesting about your boy Bryson. Augusta has banned 
green books or putting books. What are they called? And then the PGA green books. Tour, yeah, they, and then the PGA Tour adopted that too. And Bryson has really kind of fallen off. And a lot of people are presupposing that like he leaned far too much upon those. Can you explain a little more about that? Does it surprise you a scientific guy is using a book to figure something out? Yeah, I guess. I guess. But what's what exactly is in the book? So. I have some secondhand stories. They had an NCAA tournament at the previous club I worked at, and our superintendent was talking about uh, Bryson's team was there playing when he played for SMU. And he was spending hours on the greens, on our practice green, mapping them out with a compass, like measuring out how far the, uh, you know, the slope was. I, I don't, I don't, uh, so he's got Claim, like a protractor and a ruler. Yeah, out there. I was trying to think protractor. I could not a think sur- of that. A surveyor's tool, like you yeah. see on the side of the road. <laughs> of course, you know it's a surveyor's tool. You probably so it, made maps, you cartographer. <laughs> you. I, I, I've, I've worked in maps. It, it shows. That's how you used to have to get to school, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was a long traverse across many miles. <laughs> That's what I thought. Like they didn't have GPS or you know normal maps, MapQuest even. But no, Bryson's super scientific, and if he has something with his kind of feel, he knows what 73% of his putting stroke feels like every time. So if he knows to take it down a certain hole at a certain point with 73%, that's much better than most guys who know, like, hey, if I'm trying to hit it 75%, I might hit it 70, I might hit it 80. So that ah. helps him if he has it mapped out, and okay, he has so the slopes graded out. Like, the normal green book will show you the slope of the green. So then you can look above at it, look at a pin location, and see, hey, around this pin, it slopes behind the pin to the left, in front of the pin, straight down. You can see if you're uphill, downhill. Um, you can see uh, so it's like dis- the Tiger screen. It's like the screen it's they a give grid. you to put on Tiger Woods. It's a grid in a book to help you re- read a green. And then you nice. know if okay. whatever position you're at around the pin, oh, well, right in front of me, it's going down and to the left, or straight right, or and then... You just it, for him, I think it really worked out. And with those gone, I I don't think he has quite as much feel other than I need to hit this seventy three percent and I need to hit it six foot right. Yeah, he definitely seems to be somebody who's always been more about process and not necessarily as much about feel. But he does represent kind of the young guns in golf. And so we, of course, have the big story with Tiger coming back, and he's going to have huge crowds, and we hope that he is even in contention. And if he is in contention, he's going to have that intimidation factor. But if you had to say who of the young guns had the best shot at winning this tournament coming in, Mr. Roberts, who would it be? In my opinion, and like I said, we're doing this on Thursday, full transparency, uh, I thought it was Colin Morikawa. Um, He's the best iron striker in the game right now. And Augusta is not a place you can always fire at pins. You have to fire at quadrants. You have to hit the ball in the right spot to get the right putt. And I felt like he was just going to go out and put irons wherever he had to. Um, He struggled a little bit today. I think he finished two or three over. He's not out of it by any means. Um, But that's that was my pick beforehand for the young guys. And he was my pick overall to win. He's yeah, one, I mean, I he's one over right now, so he's still he's okay. like tied for thirty first. So, still looks like he's safe to make the cut, and and he could still come back. I watched it all chopped up today with different replays at different points, so I'm not sure who was at where and what. I liked him coming in. You know, he's uh, he's up there with uh, with a few other uh, American names. You no, know, you got your uh, your Zalatoris, right? Who came out of nowhere and finished, which uh, I did uh, not think he was going to play well. He's not a historically great putter. 
and I thought he would struggle there, and he surprised me. He was funny. He made some putts he absolutely had to. I mean, I'm not sure he's comfortable over a five-foot putt. Obviously, I'm. he's probably perfectly comfortable of it, but it doesn't look like he is. Right, right, and that's, you know, I, I'm just glad to see him not wither under the pressure of, hey, you know, big fella, you showed us a little something last year. Let's see what you got, and he's bringing that back. We, of course, are always going to have some uh, some foreigners in the running, and there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't take any intonation from foreigners. It was just the only word I could pull from someone from a different country. We got Roy McElroy, who we're always sort of uh, in, interested in, right? He can pull off the career Grand Slam when he finally gets a green jacket. But then the uh, the number one player in the world, also uh, the Spaniard, my guy, John Rahm, he was certainly playing Former well Former number one golfer in the world. Oh, is he? Is it him and JT still going back and forth? No, Scotty Scheffler surpassed him uh, last week. He was number like forty in the world or something. He he's won three tournaments this year. Uh, he actually broke a record, a Tiger Woods record, uh, the fastest time from your first PGA Tour to number one in the world. Tiger, I think the first was David Duvall at like three hundred and sixty days. Tiger was two fifty two. Scotty Scheffler forty two. Wow, look at this. A Tiger Woods record as Tiger Woods comes back to the Masters. I like that. Well, go ahead, Scotty Scheffler. But, yeah, John Rahm looking good coming in, and he's uh, he's right there uh, hanging around in the hunt. So, Mr. King, who did you think? You always have you always have a wild pick for us. Who was your wild pick coming into the Masters? Well, I, I was high on uh, Scheffler before the week started. I thought he'd been playing really good, and he played a really good first round. He's tied for third. Um I have been a Webb Simpson guy for a while. He seems to not show up when I really want him to, but he was a guy that was going to be my outside, my dark horse, and he's he played well. He's also tied for tenth along with Woods. Um, he was he was he was going to be my dark horse this week. Yeah, Webb Simpson's definitely a dark horse because when you say the name Webb Simpson, nobody cares anything about it. Everybody just moves completely <laughs> on with Webb Simpson. He's just completely vanilla and bland. U.S. Open champion Webb Simpson. That's fine. You know who else is it? Stuart Sink, a U.S. Open champion? Yes. Yeah, there you go. And what, do you, what when I say Stuart Sink, what do you think of? Ridiculous tan line on his bald head. Exactly. <laughs> Right? Listen, I love the golf as much as the next guy, if not more than the next guy, unless maybe that next guy is Matt Roberts. But come on, there's some there's some nondescript champions in the history of uh, of 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 the good game of golf. Well, and it is nice to see a lot of young guys there at the top of the leaderboard. Golf needs too. it, right? As much as we're all excited yeah. about Tiger Woods being back and playing, Tiger Woods is not going to be in contention to you know win every tournament week in and week out. Nor is he going to play every tournament week in and week out. So this young crop of uh, you know rising stars, Mister Roberts, we need more of them to play well, right? So we can well, we can get some storylines. I think story they just, just said something, and I don't know the exact stat of it, but of the top ten players in the world, all of them are under twenty eight, I believe. That bodes a, well. Yeah, that's great for young golf. And maybe it was an average age of 28. I, I could be mistaken. But just knowing that that talent is there young, and a lot of those guys are 25, 26, 27. Like, it's incredible. The game of golf is in wonderful hands. It's it's going to be a dip when Tiger di- – not dies. Sorry, that was that came out about way wrong. But when he steps back <laughs> from playing a lot of PGA Tour events – When he's more obvious, Jack Nicholas than he yes, is uh, Tiger Woods. Yeah, there'll be a little dip, but it's in good hands. We got a lot of – and. Not to pop off your foreigner remark here, but we have a lot of young, good American guys that get this crowd going, which only hypes one thing, and that's my other favorite event from the Masters in the Ryder Cup. Right. You know how we love the Ryder Cup right love here. Love well. it. 
All right, well, let me ask you this then, Mr. King. So we're talking about the young guns. We have all the top 10 players under 28. We all want Tiger Woods to win. Is it better for golf for Tiger Woods to win or for one of these youngsters to win? Right now, you want Tiger Woods to finish close, top five, top 10, be in contention till Sunday. But you want one of these younger guys to win. You want a Scotty Scheffler to win. You Wrong. want a Joaquin Neiman. No, nope, not. You don't need Tiger. Like, if Tiger wins the Masters, yes, that is a phenomenal comeback story, one of the greatest of all time. But long-term PGA, it's better if someone young wins. No, you're wrong because, Mr. Roberts, let me see if this is where you were going to go. If Tiger wins another major, guess what conversation gets to spark up again, Chris? Guess what? He's close to the career majors number again, right? Tiger wins another major. That can pop back up. And then we're really, really paying attention to, is there going to be a U.S. Open course that's one of Tiger's courses? Definitely paying attention Saint to the Andrews. Masters next time around. Yeah, St. Andrews, right? I mean, come on, Mr. Roberts. That's the answer, right? That's the the best answer would be a Tiger Rory, Tiger JT Sunday pairing in an absolute battle, and Tiger wins. Yeah, Tiger that JT, would the blow boys who came up. in together on the PJ. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, that would be what would be great for golf. I mean, Tiger doesn't have to win another event ever, and he's great for golf. But if he continues to win at this age, and not only would it bring the Masters or the major streak in or the major record, it would be his 83rd career PGA Tour win, which would pass Sam Snead for the most of all time. Nice. I did not know that. And we also know Tiger was to be a bit of a competitive dude, right? And so Phil Mickelson just set a record for being the oldest ever major winner. Don't you think Tiger might like to maybe take that record from him someday? 100%. Without so, a doubt. That would just be like another, like, gotcha, Phil. Yeah, what if that's the one, right? He beats Phil when he turns 52, and that's his major that also beats Jack, right? Come on. Oh. Hollywood script right there. Hollywood <laughs> script right there. Inject that into my veins. Right? Come on, Chris. They'll do it for the old guys. As far as, as, far as like, a movie life goes, like, how many – crescendos and comebacks can you put in one movie (laughs) he's had like you're gonna have to just do one and then you're gonna have to have like four sequels like well they had that many in shawshank didn't they that worked out yeah, I was going to say, there's definitely a lot of times where things aren't going well for andy dufresne (laughs) (laughs) during the span of shawshank there's definitely but now now andy dufresne they kind of happened to andy dufresne tiger woods sort of caused a lot of his downfalls true you know, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be driving fast in automobiles, kids. All right, the yeah. last one that went around. You shouldn't be driving fast in automobiles and always wear your seatbelt. So you get you get good character growth in every single se- sequel. There you go. Yeah, exactly. You got to have that. It's the antihero, right? That's what works on TV these days. Tiger's the perfect antihero. All right, so Mr. Roberts, let's talk a little bit about the weekend here as we round down our discussion of the azaleas in bloom and everybody's favorite pimento cheese-eaten golf tournament. What do we think is going to happen here? Do we like the leaderboard that is now? Who's falling off? Do we like somebody coming up? What are we looking at? I like the leaderboard where it's at now. There's not a clear pull away. There's not some guy who went out and shot 64, 65 today and really made a statement. Um, they're going to flip tee times tomorrow. So the guys that went out in the morning will go out in the afternoon tomorrow. Conditions will be a little different. It seems like scoring got a little better in the afternoon. Um, so we'll see how that happens. It got a little windy today. If that keeps up, that can make a big difference. But really anybody within, I'd say, four to six shots right now can make a move tomorrow. And then all hell can break loose on Saturday. You never know on moving day. What do we think the number is going to be, the cut number? What do we think somebody's getting to at the end of the second round? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see somebody get to seven, eight, nine. 
All right, so then we're looking at you know the 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 cut's going to be not 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 much above uh, par then, huh? No, I mean, maybe seven's a little more realistic because you probably don't see him going out and shooting sixty-seven again. Uh, but yeah, cut's probably going to hover at that one over even, one under. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where it normally lives for the uh, for the Masters, Mister King. What do you think? You you think Mister Roberts is onto something there, or do you foresee any uh, weird weather or uh, or something crazy happening? Well, there was uh, a lot of rain in the south the last few days. Um, I think it's been a lot wetter conditions today and tomorrow will still be. But by Saturday and Sunday, those greens are going to get dry and a little bit faster. Um, so you're going to look for the guys that are putting well. And that bodes well for you guys, your guys' guy, Tiger Woods. Uh, he keeps putting like that. He will crawl back up into the top five and contend. Wait a minute. Are, are you trying to paint yourself as anti-Tiger Woods right now? How is he our guy? What happened here? <laughs> I'm very confused. And Chris, don't ever forget, they got those sub-air heaters under the green and fans. Those things will be oh. slick tomorrow. They can control <laughs> that green speed if it's yeah. downpouring on it. I always forget. They're, they're fancy. They're so, they're so fancy and high-tech down there, but they won't allow a green book. Yeah. All right. It's also a terrible movie. Nobody should watch that movie Green Book, but it actually isn't about putting the movie Green Book. It's about a whole different thing. <laughs> it's not a good movie, though. Shouldn't have won an Academy Award, but that's for a different podcast. All right, Mr. Roberts, do you want to stick around and have a little NBA discussion with Mr. King and I, or, or do we need to let you go back into the desert sun because you, you, you don't want to hear Mr. King and I argue about what it is that we're going to argue about? I'm just going to flat ask you here. I mean, I don't mind sticking around for a little bit. I can be a fly on the wall and interject with my non-NBA wisdom. All right, that sounds good. Listen, we, we may ask you to judge it, because I have a feeling yeah. Mr. King and I are going to be going for, for for point by point here. We may need the referee. Is yeah. this going to be – do I need to get a notepad? Is this going to be like a uh, around-the-horn situation? <laughs> it might be. You're going to be Tony Reale giving us points here as we go do I get a Do I get a mute button? No, Jimmy has the mute button. So I guess if we get too out of control, Jimmy can ultimately just control all of it and mute any of us that he wants to at any time. Love it. I'll just say mute. There we go. That's good. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Jim Riska is going to uh, run my particular favorite way to get my master's updates during these time to keep the golf theme rolling. And on the other side, Mr. King and I are going to have a discussion about a familiar topic, the NBA MVP. Stick around. All right, we are back as we are recording this. It is Thursday night, April 7th. There are literally only two and three, in some situations, even one game left for NBA teams. That means that the MVP is going to have to be decided. And Chris, I mean, everything is cut and dried, and we absolutely know who's going to be the MVP right now, right? (laughs) Uh, Apparently uh, not. We do know that it's essentially... There's only two people at the table, right? We got an MVP table. We got two guys there. Will you agree on that? I would I would agree that there seems to be two in the discussion, right? And that's one of the first things I would like to bring up here, okay? As much as I want Joel Embiid to win this MVP, and I'm just going to claim this again. I've said it on the podcast before. I have a sizable bet that could pay off for me if he wins MVP. So you could call me biased in this discussion but I would like to think that I'm just trying to make solid points here, okay? My assertion right now would be no one in their right mind should be coming on any podcast and saying that definitively Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, or Giannis Antetokounmpo should definitively be the MVP. All three of these gentlemen are putting up insane 
insane seasons. It's ridiculous. I don't want this discussion to be looked at as I'm trying to talk down Giannis or talk down Jokic. But Chris, what you did say there, I think for this purposes of this discussion is good to point out. We are going to kind of leave Giannis to the side. But I did at least want to bring him up here and say that he really should probably be just as much in the running as the two guys we were about to talk about. Listen, if we're going to be completely honest, there are essentially four unicorn-type players in the NBA right now. And you could, you could probably make a case for any four of them. You know, that's Luka as the fourth in this group. Because uh, he's put together a solid, solid season. Even he, even though he got off to that slow start, that's all it is for him, right? If he doesn't right? come, if he doesn't come fat at the beginning of the year, he's probably right there. Yeah, he he definitely is. And these are the types of players that are going to continue to be in this discussion. But it does seem, for the most part, that everybody in the NBA, all the talking heads, are leaving Giannis and Luca off to the side. That's right. So we're going just Jokic and just Embiid here. All right. So, Mr. Roberts, you as just a as just a, a more peripheral NBA fan, as you understand it right now, are those the two main candidates, or do you out there in the desert hear more of this garbage that the Phoenix Suns are trying to bring up and saying that Devin Booker should be in the MVP discussion? No one out here is saying Devin Booker belongs in the MVP discussion that I know of. The Phoenix Suns uh, have tried to do it, but you're saying the fans aren't necessarily agreeing with it. I haven't heard a thing about it. Um, from my opinion, a lot of the guys in my office like to, um, partake in a legal sports betting situation out here. So there's a lot of talk back and forth. Um, I get the Embiid Jokic. Okay, good. So, so then, so we have, we have the, the parameters at this point that it's all pretty well established that we got one guy versus another guy. Now, Jokic is the defending MVP. Okay. That factors into the discussion for me, okay? I just have a tough time not realizing that when you give a particular person the MVP, it will be their second year in a row. And Chris, I bring this up because, correct me if I'm wrong, but a few years back when Giannis had won two MVPs in a row, it was basically just assumed all year long that there's no possible way he could win it that year because that would have been his third in a row and only two other people in basketball history had done that before. So clearly there has been a establishment that multiple MVPs factors into the discussion. Yeah, it, it, it seems to. And like, it seems to have been like this for ages. Like it does seem to take somebody special to win the three in a row. Um, I, we've had this conversation in years past where it was by far, if you're going to be giving the MVP to the best player in the league, the best player in the league was LeBron. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and, and he would constantly not win. He'd be in the discussion, but they would give it to somebody else. And so you do see a lot of guys getting those two in a row, but they do not like to give out three. You're right, and that hurt Giannis. So what I would ask you right now is, Chris, Nikola Jokic, does he seem like a back-to-back MVP winner in the National Basketball Association to you? In the current world of the NBA, yes, because he's put, he's put he puts up the stats that people want to see now. They want to see. They want to see. Wait a minute. What do you mean by they want to see? Explain yourself. You're you talk you talk all the time about what the fans want, and they want to see guys go out there getting nearly triple doubles on a nightly basis. They want to see the guy that's going to get you get you. Uh, 25, 10, and 10, and that's the type of stats that you're getting with guys like Jokic, 
and, and to a lesser extent, Luca and Giannis more so than Embiid, uh, just because Embiid doesn't get the assists quite, and that's that's a big difference right Who there. Who do you want Embiid to pass to? A broke down James Harden? And listen, if if he was getting plenty of opportunities to kick out early in the season, his assist numbers were definitely up because he got a lot of. Random outside shooting help at the beginning of the season from a lot of scrubs. So, like, there's there's opportunities for him to pass. So, you can't just say, who's he going to pass to? Well, see, but you tell me that there's not a thing that Nikola Jokic does wrong, right? Like, you bring up all these stats. You say, I don't, I don't, what I don't understand, okay, this is what I don't understand, is that we will hear people say to me, they will be like, oh, well, Rod, you have to remember that sometimes Bill Russell would be put on the second team All-NBA because Wilt Chamberlain was just better than him. Yeah, no, I get that because Wilt Chamberlain is one of the most transcendent basketball talents that's ever stepped floor, stepped foot on the hardwood. But you know who's not one of the most transcendent talents to ever set foot on a hardwood? Nikola Jokic. So yeah. all these people, they're just completely willing to set aside Joel Embiid as if Joel Embiid is Bill Russell, which I'm not saying here, and then as if Nikola Jokic is Wilt Chamberlain. That's crazy to me. All yes. these people willing to just set him aside for Jokic is nuts. I don't understand what we're doing here. Listen, that's don't compare a dick with a finger. All right, like <laughs> <laughs> the 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 Russell versus Wilt discussion is completely different than this discussion we're that's basically... what i hear though that's what i hear so what what i assume from that then is people are just telling me well rod you have to deal with one of the most transcendent basketball players that's ever played and i just don't think nikola Jokic is that no no but like i mean listen i'm not going to ever compare Jokic with will just like right now i'm never going to compare Embiid to russell i mean you got two guys that are still young and early in their careers versus two long-term NBA Very legends, Very you know, true. that's fair. So, so I can't, no, I'm not going to call Embiid as good as Russell or Jokic as good as Chamberlain or vice versa. That's not going to happen. I'm also not going to say right now that they're better than the great centers of the nineties and early two thousands, either the Hakeem's, the Shaq's, the David Robinson's, uh, Patrick Ewing's even, you know, or let alone Kareem. I mean, right, well, so, here's another here's another narrative then that you'll hear. You'll hear another narrative that Nikola Jokic should get all of this extra credit because Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. haven't been able to play basketball this year. Well, guess what? An NBA team suffers injuries. Write it down, front page headlines. No, it's not. Every team has injuries. I don't care what goes on with injuries on your team. That should not factor into the MVP. Chris, why are people telling me this matters? Because they're dumb. <laughs> Again, this isn't my issue with Embiid because he has the same exact issue that Jokic is having. You got two superstars with no other real star, all-star, major contributor playing alongside of him. Uh, Embiid didn't have anybody until Harden came over, and and they still he still kept Philadelphia in the top four of the East. Jokic hasn't had anybody all season, and he still kept it. Uh, Nuggets as a playoff team so you still have these superstars with no real accessories around them leading their teams to playoff bursts so like I see that as equal okay all right so then you and I we 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 agree on that then okay the other thing that we want our MVPs to do is always be yearning for more always be in the lab getting better 
improving, showing that they are better from one year to the next. And what was the biggest argument that we always used against Joel Embiid, Chris? Namely, last year when he lost the MVP race to Nikola Jokic. What did we say to him last year, Chris? We said he needed to play more. He said, "What did he, he do this year? What did he, he do this more. year?" Listen, exactly. listen. Yes, last year he played. And we're like just what? shoving him to the side. We're just Should shoving you... him into the side after he did exactly what we wanted him to do. We're just shoving him to the side because the most transcendent basketball player to ever grace God's green <laughs> earth happens to play center out in Denver. Listen, mute. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we asked MB to do all these things, and he has done those. Listen, I told you at the beginning of the year that I didn't think he'd be able to do it, and he's played probably 20 more games than I thought he would. He's like, he's like what, 66 games he's played this year so far, 67? Something which like that. he hasn't done in his career yet, and so that's almost a full season for him. Uh, and he he's leading the league in scoring. He's doing the things right. Uh Yet you still have the reigning MVP going out there and improving on his insane numbers from last year. Here we go. All right, so now it's time. Now it's time. You brought up numbers. You brought up time. Now it's time. Give everybody out there the numbers that are cooked up in labs and are forbs (laughs) and schnorps and flips and tips and all this advanced stuff that you have to pay all of these dudes who sit back with lab coats on and crunch numbers through computers, even though basketball is not played in a computer. And these guys would never even deem to watch a basketball (laughs) game and have any idea what actual basketball talent looks like, but my God, the numbers. So Chris, please explain it to me. Okay. Listen, I can, I can give you advanced metrics. If you want, I can give you, you know that that Jokic uh, improved his his PER, his wins above replacement, his value above replacement from last year. That his numbers are still higher than anybody else in the league, and in those numbers, just like they were last year. So he led the league in those last year, and he improved on them this year. Um, and B did too. I'm not going to take that away from him. His numbers improved greatly, but they're still like he is definitely like he's in third place or second place in PER and he is closer to fifth place than he is to Jokic at first. I mean, so there's, there's a difference, but I won't even, I won't even go there. So like, we'll start with, with Jokic's stats. Uh, He improved everywhere from last year, except for assists. They have gone down this season. Although this, these past, this past month, they have increased dramatically. He's been on fire. He improved his field goal percentage. His efficiency has gone up. He is scoring more points on less shots. Uh, he improved his rebounding. Uh, he by almost uh, three rebounds per game. His stocks went up from last year. There it is. Uh, <laughs> and he he commits less fouls. Um, if you want to compare them to Embiid, yes, Embiid is scoring three points more per game. Yeah. Uh, Embiid is scoring 30. What's the object of the game, Chris? What's the, the object of the game? To the score points. Put That's right. Put the ball right. in the hoop, baby. Put That's the ball in the hoop. And and as far as putting the ball in the hoop, Jokic is still way more efficient than Embiid. I don't he care takes, about efficiency. I care about Ws. Sh- I care about Ws and points, Chris. Well, if you want Ws, the player that's going to get you more Ws over a replacement is Jokic. Jokic will get you more wins during the season than Embiid will as a player. Yeah, because he's got such a doughy body that he's never going to be hurt. <laughs> and he's never going to be out of the lineup. 
See, now, here we I had go. a golfer that did that, John Daly. <laughs> uh, see, now here I go, dude, and I'm just taking all these shots at Jokic. But that's what this thing's doing. It's got me all tied up in knots, and it's just got, I just don't understand how anybody, and Mr. King, I have to give you incredible credit here, how you've managed to stay right down the line. I think you definitely lean Jokic, but you've managed to stay down the line here. I cannot do it. I just get angry when I hear people say, oh, it's Jokic, MVP, hands down. And I just think, it's- how can it be hands down anything? It sucks that Embiid is having his best season of his career, and there just happens to be a reigning MVP that improved his performance from his MVP year. I, that's tough to overlook. You can't look at an MVP and see that they improved damn near every aspect of their game and say, well, he doesn't deserve the MVP again if he's still getting better results than everybody else. All right, Mr. Roberts, let me ask you this. You are picking first in a pickup basketball game, okay? So there's you and the other guy across from you that's picking the other teams, all right? And then there are an assortment of gentlemen up on the wall, but also up on the wall with the assortment of random just anybody you can find at a at an LA Fitness open gym, right? Are Jokic and Embiid. Which guy are you taking first for your team? Well, first off, Let's go ahead and say the chance that I even play in that game, even if it was four on four, four on five, they're, they're not going to let me play. But just for the fun factor and as a casual fan, I would much rather play with Joel, Joel and B than Jokic or Jokic. This is lunacy. This is lunacy. What? This is lunacy. Why you're you're going to pick Nikola Jokic? So again, no, I said I'd rather play with Embiid. Oh, you did? I thought you said Jokic. No, I said I'd rather play with Embiid than Jokic or Jokic. Oh, all right. Yeah. My, my bad. See, again, I'm just all fired. That's the correct answer. Mr. King, your answer. It would be hard for me to turn, to turn down playing with somebody that has hair as glorious as Joel Embiid. <laughs> that's a great answer. Out of you. I mean, I mean, if you if you're wanting to throw an alley oop to somebody, you want them to have hair as glorious as that flowing through the air. All right, let me just ask this one last question. Someone that knows absolutely nothing about the game of basketball comes down from another planet and lands, and we say to them, we have this game called basketball, okay? And it takes the top-level athletes to be able to play this game. And then we're going to stand up Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Which guy do you think the alien is going to point out as the MVP? I think that's pretty (laughs) obvious. I think that should matter, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I think that should matter. That should be a category in this MVP discussion. That might be the only thing that sways it for me. That may be a little bit racist. <laughs> that, I don't know that that's racist at all. I think that I think that that has to do with athletic ability. Is that is that is that a race thing? I think that's any 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 race, creed, or color could be a bad athlete. I mean, are they are they coming down and watching them perform athletic abilities, or if you do they looked just at Joel looking and at them and Jokic next to each other? Embiid's winning. There's no way anybody would look at those two people and think Jokic is more athletic. That's what I'm saying. If you, yeah. like, if you put him through a camp, you're right. He gets a vert. You know what I mean? He gets the sprint. He gets the cone drill, all that stuff. Come on, man. And beats <laughs> blowing him out of the water. I'm just saying, uh, speaking, just because you're the best athlete doesn't necessarily mean you're also the best basketball player. Of course it doesn't. I'm just saying I want that as a category because it's the only thing that can sway it in my favor. <laughs> Because, again, I'll point it out that I'm being biased here, all right? I have a chance to win a decent size of money on a bet that I made months and months ago, right? Do you know how smart I will feel if this pays off? I made a bet the Toronto Raptors would make the playoffs. Thank you. 
Thank you, Toronto, for pulling that off for me. And I made a bet that the Heat would win their division, and they're the best team in the East, so they're winning their division. If Embiid wins MVP, I go three for three. And do you know how many times I will break my own arm patting myself on the back, Mr. King, if I go three for three yeah. in these NBA bets? No, and that's uh, – listen, as far as content for our pod, I want you to win. And you also got to think, by far, the East is better overall as far as the quality of basketball – all those playoff teams yeah. are. Jokic has got to beat the sorry Lakers team all year long. <laughs> <laughs> and where the West may have like two of the best teams in the league, uh, maybe even three, the top three best teams in the league, there's a dramatic fall off. I mean, you got teams in the West making the playoffs that are almost 10 games below 500. That's like what the East used to Hello, do. Hello, San years Antonio. Ago. <laughs> so, so you, you do seem tend to see the MVP coming out of the better conference as well. Yeah. Listen, I think, I think basically what I'm trying to say here is that everything should point to Joel Embiid for MVP. Mr. Roberts, did I make that clear enough? You did, but you also should have parlayed those bets. <laughs> somebody oh. else told me that on Twitter. When I, when yeah. I sent out a picture oh. of my bet, somebody else told me that. I was like, listen, I don't know enough about gambling to have even been close to doing that. I wonder, I wonder what that would have oh. paid out a lot, I bet. That would have been huge. You probably would have been even getting offered to, to, to cash out after you've already gotten two of those. Yeah. As close as it is with those two, you would have got a good cash out. Well, maybe I'll parlay a couple of bets next year, but I promise you one thing I'm not going to do is I will never again bet on the NBA MVP because this has been absolute torture. I used to not hate Nikola Jokic, and now I despise the man. Every time his name gets brought up on an NBA podcast, it's like somebody's digging a knife into me. I will never again put myself through this torture. <laughs> Would it have been what's, – what's worse? Would it have been worse to see uh, Embiid go down with the energy – an injury early on in the season or to be at this point right now? If he went down with an injury at the beginning of the season, I'd been like, yeah, that's what I get, man. I mean, past history should have told me that's exactly what he's going to do. This is torture, man. The only thing that would have been worse than this is if the player that was going to beat me out at the last second was Kyrie Irving. Then I don't think I'd ever be able to podcast again if that was the case. Oh, you might never watch the NBA again. That would be the, that would just be the ultimate like like an under I've been watching a lot of Undertaker stuff because of the big uh, WWE uh, WrestleMania over the weekend and that'd be like my coffin match right if if Kyrie Irving wins NBA MVP just just put the nail in my coffin and send me off into the river and fire arrows at me like a Viking funeral it's done. All right, I think we should wrap up Balls and Brew for this week. Mr. King and I have yelled at each other enough. Mr. Roberts has been sitting patiently and I think enjoying himself while we were yelling at one another. But I know for a fact he enjoyed himself when he was on talking about the Masters, didn't you, Mr. Roberts? Always love talking golf. I'm slightly disappointed I didn't catch quite the heat you two had while we were uh, getting things started. It was a little more civil than I anticipated it being. But uh, it's always fun being with you guys. You know, I like talking a little trash with you. It's because I've become, a, as I say now, I'm a semi-professional podcaster, so I've learned to tone it down just enough for the for the people, for the content to go out there so I don't come off quite like a raving lunatic. But yeah, if you guys would have heard the pre-show fist fight between Mr. King and I, goodness gracious. I yeah. sat there for, what, about eight minutes while you guys <laughs> talked, and you didn't even know I was there. No, I saw your Kentucky waterfall popping into the chat room. I saw it. Well, what what do you fall? Because I apparently can't spell yeah, not only not only was was the the pre-show uh, back and forth pretty fired up. You should have seen the uh, text thread uh, earlier from the group of us. It went way off the, the rails. Eighty-nine real quick. messages I woke right? up to. 
Yeah, exactly. I forget about that sometimes, Mr. Roberts. When we get going in the morning, you just wake up and you're like, oh, my goodness. No offense. I put your guys' uh, notifications on mute. I see them. I look through them, I assure you. But if you guys start shooting me messages at 2.30, 3.30 in the morning, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And listen, I'll tell you what. I wanted to kill myself based on some of the takes that were coming in the group thread this morning. There was some absolute monstrous garbage being thrown out. But I'm not going to call anybody out here because the group thread stays with the group thread. It's a, it's, it's a safe space in there. But my goodness, some of the stuff that was said in there this morning. <laughs> All right. The other thing heat. I wanted to do here, and I'm going to get sappy for just a second. But, uh, Mr. King, I want to give you props and kudos and roses here, my friend. I threw a last-minute assignment at you. Told you to watch WrestleMania. Come on the Yeah We Know pod with Mr. Jim Risk and I and talk about wrestling. And you knocked it out of the park, my friend. You did a great job. Anybody that enjoys listening to Chris here talking about sports, you should pop over and listen to the episodes that occurred before this one in this very feed where Chris talked a little sports entertainment. Did you enjoy yourself, Chris? Oh, it was fantastic. And as far as as getting back into watching wrestling for the first time in a while, it was the perfect one to for me to get into because they had Stone Cold come back and that was perfect because he was wrestling in the top of his game when I stopped. Yeah, it was a, it was it was really really good WrestleMania. If anybody out there listening to this podcast used to listen to wrestling and they're not really into it anymore, check out last week's pod. Check out the WrestleMania that just occurred. It's a WWE at a at its highest level in quite a little while. I uh, I recommend it quite highly. But uh, that's all for balls and brew right now. Make sure you're checking out this very feed next week. We have all of our regularly scheduled programming, but there also will be a very Special podcast from the Morgan You Know podcast, the pop culture arm of this particular podcast network, all about the Beatles. I'm telling you, it's a good one. We worked on it for quite a while. You're going to enjoy it. It'll be out at the beginning of next week. The Beatles episode, be looking out for that one. Until next time, this has been Balls and Brew. We've had a blast. Hopefully you have too. Final word goes to Mr. King. Goodbye, Internet. <laughs>